Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today I am super excited to have a pretty awesome dude in the studio today. His name's Nathan Kay and Nathan is an incredible musician. He's also an actor. He's a music producer, a mega dad, <laughs> and he's also a sober dude. I've known Nathan, for, geez, we've known each other for a very long time and sort of circled around each other in, in our circles. So it's really great to be able to connect. We bumped into each other at the park the other day and I was like, oi, get on yeah. my podcast. <laughs> no, actually, I said, do you drink? Anyway, hello, yeah, welcome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, do you drink? And he, I just had this feeling <laughs> that you didn't drink. this quizzical look. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no. Does she want me to come to the pub? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, hi, Nathan. Hi. (laughs) Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, what a, you've had a very colourful life thus far. Done some pretty awesome things. But what we'd love to hear about is your relationship with alcohol. Yeah. And how long have you been so before? Since uh, August 2012. Wow. That's great. Well done. Holy crap. Yeah, yeah it's interesting, you know, because we'll, let's get straight into it. Mm. You said well done. Mm. Now, and I get that a lot. Mm-hmm. And But for me, it's not It's not really, it's not like I needed to go to AA or something like that. Mm. I'm just like anybody else that drank at a normal kind of pace as anybody else. Except for the fact that I was a touring musician, and mm. being a touring musician, you're well, especially even back then. It's not the case right now, but it was definitely back then where you would get free alcohol mm. when you rocked up to whatever venue you're playing. If you're doing like I was back then, four gigs upwards per week, mm. there's that, and then you also have the audience members coming up and wanting to shout your drinks. Mm. So you do end up drinking quite a bit yeah like on tour 
yeah. and um, it and all aside from that, I've always been a, like back then, particularly super fit mofo, martial arts, um, black belt and karate, all of that stuff, and, and I'd be training every day and. You know, uh, a, a 70 to 80 percent raw vegan diet for most of my adult life, or right. most of my life actually. And, um, and it was just this thing with alcohol <laughs> mm. where you, you know, you're in this culture and, and you just say yes, mm. it's offered, and you just say yes, yeah, you just, or you know, it's, it's not even a consideration. And it's weird not to, yeah, and it <laughs> is weird not to like from the way people react mm. uh, um so you know <clears throat> for the I, and what i actually didn't put in there is that in my 20s i didn't drink for five years a little bit more than five years and when i say i didn't drink it was pretty much not a drop there was a couple of times at at weddings and but there but in that it wasn't like super super strict it was just like you know once Every few months, if I was at a wedding, I'd have two wines, kind of thing. Uh, that being said, the, the the story of that is interesting. How I got to that because I was I was about twenty three. It's twenty three, and it was my first day in Amsterdam, and I quit alcohol. Oh my god, who does that? <laughs> right? Was that because you were like going to all the green cafes? It was because I was doing everything else. Yeah, um, and I just done like literally just done home and away, and I got gone over to UK. Because I had a brother there that I'd never met. He grew up in oh, England, yeah. and I grew up in Australia. And um, and then yeah, ended up in Amsterdam, and I just went. I just not. He he didn't drink, and it was really interesting because my dad didn't drink either. Um. Uh, and I'd never really understood why, because everybody else I knew, even when I was a kid, drank, and so I, um, and I grew up Jewish, so we'd oh, have wow, yeah, <laughs> right, and. But you know, uh, every Friday night on the on the uh, Shabbat, the Sabbath, um, the kids drink first. So you, the kids are given alcohol first, right? Huh. Yeah, didn't know, know that. that. <laughs> it's only a sip, but it's and it's done in a sacred way with prayer. And I would always be right at the front because <laughs> it's really sweet. The Israeli wine's really really sweet, and so I'd be right at the front. And then after the the. The you know the Sabbath all the all the ceremony da, da, da. we go into another foyer. Well, I go into the foyer first. When when all the adults have their heads up doing their prayers in Hebrew, I'd be going along the table necking their <laughs> necking their wines, and they turn down to do they just done the wine prayer and the wine's gone. <laughs> I remember this one time I, I was like maybe I was pretty young uh, in, in the corner just like how old are we talking? Uh, six. <laughs> Yeah, right. <coughs> it, the oh. interesting thing, though, this is the interesting thing, and because it's, alcohol is dealt with in a sacred way, and it's not the only culture that does it, but and every culture at some point did treat al- alcohol or any kind of substance that altered consciousness in any way as a sacred sacrament and with, and with reverence and with reverence, yeah. right? So, um, in in the in the Jewish uh, path of doing it, you'd have you're basically just having a, a little shot, two shots of red wine as an adult. And then you dance and you sing. And as you know, when you dance, you sweat stuff out very quickly. Anyway, so it's just a little thing to take off the edge. It's part of the sacrament of um, connection. And it's you, you very rarely find drunk Jews. 
Wow. Yeah. Because it's not dealt with that way. Yeah. It's not. And and so I was growing up in that culture mm. and Aussie culture and I'd be at mm. my mate's place with all their friends, you know, get parents getting plastered. And so, you know, we would imitate them that behavior. And, yeah. uh, you know, by the time... I don't know what it is, what the average age is, but I remember when I was like 11 and going at friends' places and we would just be getting drunk with the, yeah. with the parents not knowing. You wow. Know. <clears throat> it's pretty young. Yeah, right. Um, well, you know, my dad was a single dad of three of us, so he worked seven days a week. So I, there wasn't a lot of monitoring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. So, um, the, you know, that's there's, there's a little bit of the history. So when, after that, that period of five years in my 20s, I kind of made up for it in my 30s. Right. <laughs> so you went hard. Yeah. And it was after a breakup and and um, I remember, you know, I was over in – I was at Glastonbury Festival actually when she broke up with me over the phone, my partner, you know, three and a half years at that point. Ouch. So it was – yeah, and I was surrounded by hundreds of thousands of people and I was in heartbreak and I was there for a few days, a couple of gigs in London, then I went over to Ireland. I was doing a tour over there and – um I remember sitting at the head of this big, you know, 400-year-old table in a, you know, 600-year-old pub with all with a couple of my Irish mates and then all his Irish mates, right? <laughs> and they're like, oh, you got to trade again. That's Harry Nathan. <laughs> right? And, uh, and I'm like, oh, I, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I don't drink. You know, I don't drink. I don't drink beer, I said. And, um, and they all sort of, are you sure you're Australian? <laughs> You know, what do you drink? And I went, I'm not drinking. I'm not drinking at the moment. Well, if you were drinking, what would you drink? And I was like, oh, well, I, I like things to be clean. So I guess some vodka and soda was with some lemon is what I would drink if I was to drink. But I'm not drinking. <laughs> Next minute, vodka oh. and soda. And, oh, they, they were like, vodka and soda? <laughs> <laughs> and gave me this quizzical look, and, a, so, and then vodka and soda came out with a little straw in it, and they're all there with their big mugs of of Guinness all along, and they all turned and looked at me like, <laughs> it was, uh, yeah. And then I had, and then I had a few, and and uh, and then I was a blubbering mess. And she left me, and I was uh, flushing it all out, right? Yeah, and. Um, but that's not actually what got me back into drinking. What got me back into drinking is I was on tour and I had an itchy throat. Um, and I was just, just set up for a sound check. And I could feel, and I went, oh, it's the start of a tour. I can't get a, I can't get a lurgy. And I, well, I want to kill the bacteria in my throat. I thought, I'll just gargle some vodka straight. Because I know that's pretty high alcohol content. And I'll be able to kill the bacteria in my throat. Except I didn't spit it out, did I? So uh. it was my very first drink after five years, five and a half years. I gargled it for ages, which, you know, gets looks from people. And then um, swallowed that and I just did, I did two. And then I was on stage feeling all, because it really hit me because yeah. I hadn't drunk really yeah. for five years. Really hit me. So that's, that's, and I did that a few nights in a row and then it started becoming a habit of I'll always do two shots before a gig. Yeah, and that was and that was the limit though. I did that for a couple of years where I didn't drink any more than two shots. Wow, so you're very controlled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that comes from the being 
getting a black belt in karate and all that, just being able to self-discipline really well. Yeah. But um, because it, for me it was it became just this it became a ritual almost like a sacred ritual before I play. Mm. Uh, it switched from vodka to um, zambukas because zambukas made from black aniseed traditionally anyway, and that is a healing herb for the throat. So I thought, okay, we'll gargle that. Ah, uh, yes. And actually, so, that started spread. Other this. other musos started copying this <laughs> ritual. <Really? yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and um, because it did, it did warm up the voice and all that kind of stuff. But the thing was that there, there came a point where, obviously, one night I ended up drinking and or you know going further with it, and then it just like, snowballed from yeah. that point. Yep. And I, it all seemed like fun and games, and it, but it was just all too often. And I was healthy in every other respect except for this one element. And I started noticing that my um, diff- that my personality would change, and which is you know everyone knows that your personality changes, right? Um, it, and usually, maybe a couple of drinks, it cha- it's it's you're a bit looser. Then after that, you're you can turn into other things and I didn't like elements of what I would change into what would you change into well just I would notice that my my normal very normally very chilled disposition would be a little bit more short-tempered and um yeah just things like that and just I and I'd get you know I, I was getting really bad headaches and I, and I knew it was because of the dehydrating aspects of alcohol, which is why my drink normally would be vodka and soda. So, you know, and lime. So the lime or lemon, not cordial, but the actual fresh lime, yep. the vitamin C in it would help the liver process the alcohol that I'm toxifying <laughs> it with. Wow. And the, the water would hopefully give me some uh, rehydration. The problem is mm. soda water doesn't rehydrate. I've mm. noticed that. I, I can have... Soda water on its own, I still don't feel hydrated. I feel the same. I was yeah. actually going to Google that. Like, yeah, I think I, I did Google it, and it said it does hydrate you, but I feel like mm, it doesn't. I, I don't think it does. I, 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 would, mm, I agree. I don't know what what the, what's behind it, but something in in the carbonation process cha- changes the the chemical structure, and I don't know if the body absorbs the liquid mm. in it in the same way. We should look into that. Definitely That's, should look into yeah. it. But I I've noticed it for myself. I don't know if it's for anybody else. Yeah, well, first definitely. I've, I've noticed actually chatted it. about this. With, you know, so um, that was my theory behind it. But I would still get headaches, and I, I knew it was because of the dehydrating aspects of uh, uh, of it all. Eventually, what happened was I had. And I didn't know at the time, but I I got hospitalised from for severe pain around in my liver area, hmm. and they misdiagnosed two different hospitals misdiagnosed me, and, and I was suffering for this thing for uh, like, almost five years before I got a proper diagnosis. It was extreme pain, like pass make you pass out level of pain, wow. and it turned out that I had gallstones in in the gallbladder. Right. And that it's a hereditary thing. Oh, really painful and hereditary. It's so painful, and yeah. um, and my liver, my like, so I got my blood test done, and my liver was in really bad state. Mm. Despite my healthy yeah. diet, mm. the alcohol had really stuffed up in my liver, and so I just stopped drinking immediately. Isn't it funny that sometimes it's like someone, a heavy smoker, girlfriend of mine. Mm. She's my best friend. She's mm. a smoker. Not a, not a crazy smoker, but she just cannot quit smoking. And then one day right. she went to the doctor and they told her she had emphysema. Oh, gosh. 
she stopped. Like two weeks, she was totally freaked out. She was crying. She's like, they were, they're disgusting. I find them revolting. Same as my dad, heavy smoker, got lung cancer, stopped. When you're told it's affecting your health right now, then mm. you stop. By the way, my friend found out two weeks later it wasn't that. It was a misdiagnosis. So then she started smoking again. Oh, yeah. that That's common too, though. Yeah. But there's something about like when you can see the immediate effects, immediate effects of something affecting you now, mm. then you make a change. Sometimes when you're looking towards the future, oh, I'll quit drinking when I turn 40 or I'll quit when I turn 50. Right. Because they're not really anchoring into the problems it's causing them right now or it's not a big enough problem for them. Yeah. But yeah, sometimes you need that, that wake-up Some, call. Something to... like a wake-up call. I mean, it was interesting because for me, when I got the proper diagnosis, what happened before that, I was on tour in uh, WA and whoa, we were drinking like crazy and then f- got into Gold Coast Airport and I had the attack at the airport. Ooh. I got taken straight to hospital and then I got the right diagnosis. And... Um, <clears throat> And yeah, and literally from that point on, no more alcohol. Wow. I haven't had it since. And so, yeah, I did have, a, a, you know, a, a reason to do it. Mm. But at the same time, I already had a very strong, like, like I said, I, I, in my 20s, I went five years without it. Yes, I was doing other, I was growing all sorts of um, psychedelic herbs and substances, uh, like, you wouldn't believe that the name ethnobotany to the extreme, but that's because I found alcohol boring. I still do find it boring. I even mm. found it boring when I was uh, doing it so regularly. And yeah, I can relate to that. It, it's boring is probably not the right word, but I knew what kind of behaviors it brought out in people and mm. that didn't interest me, including yes. myself, but it was more like, okay, we're just doing this together. Well, you know, once I stopped doing that, alcohol, then it was like when I was in a social setting, people would offer alcohol and I'd be like, oh, I can't drink. Mm. And so and so when you say I can't drink, they most people back off. It's not all people. Some people go, oh, you know, but it's just one and all that kind of stuff. Mm. It's amazing the cajoling that comes out of people with oh, alcohol. Yeah. It's really crazy. Mm. Um and I and so for for a number of years or for a few years, I, there was a couple of times I tried to say I don't drink, because for me it was I don't drink. I I'm choosing not to drink, mm. right? But that didn't. When I did say it that way, almost all the time, people would be like, "Oh, come on, blah, 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 right?" Yeah. Yeah. And even friends and family and whatever, mm. it's they don't hear that I don't. Yeah. What is it with no that people have problem with? I know. I don't know what it is. But, <laughs> um, and so the I don't didn't work and I and I didn't want to have to explain myself every friggin' time. Yeah. So I, when I said I can't, I still had to explain. There was no way to get out of not explaining yep. to a lot of people because alcohol is such um, a big part of – big unconscious part of our culture. And it's like a a crutch that everybody expects and forces everybody else to do. Mm. And I use that word pretty intently. It is it is like being forced. There's so much pressure, street. isn't yeah. there? Like we had the exact same thing. Luckily, we were in Bali too when we first started on the journey. 
Well, actually, no, we were here at first, mm. but we told everyone, we told everyone, this is what we're doing for 12 months. So mm. back off. And so no one questioned it too much. I think they thought... If you put a time limit on it as well, there's some kind of, oh, wow. Yeah, we'll know. get you back in 12 months. You, yeah. you, you're good. But a few people are like, I'm calling bullshit on that. So that's a big thing like for mm. people. I think you're right to giving a time limit. But I, also Lissy, um, do you know Lissy Turner from the Yoga Shack in Ocean Shores? She, so. she Yeah, she's amazing. She was Mel Bampton on Triple J, Mel okay. in the Morning. Yeah. Anyway, she, similar to you, she had a, a severe issue with her liver mm. and she basically just could not drink anymore. She drank one sip of beer, she'd be vomiting. Yep. So she had the same thing. She was able to say to people, I, I can't, yep. my liver won't let me. Yep. And people can't fuck with that. When you're it's in there. It's surprising that they still try though. Yeah, oh, I did saying, to like, her. I remember saying to her, oh, come on, just one, one yeah. be all right. And I'd just hassle her so much. Yeah, I'm yeah. so ashamed to say that right. I did that, but... It's I interesting did. to hear that perspective because yeah. um, nobody's ever come and apologised for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, I'm so wounded. Uh, yeah. No, but th- I mean, I, re- I, for a while there, I resented having to say I can't because I just wanted to say I don't and for that to be okay. What would you say to people listening to this who don't have a liver issue or don't have an underlying medical yeah. issue? What would, what would your advice be to them? Well, th- okay, first start, just to, to help them out too. I don't have a liver issue anymore. So all of that was sorted out. So I could drink if I wanted to, but I don't want to. Mm. And it's a choice. I think, you know, when you, when you I, I guess it's a daily choice or a choice that happens whenever there's a social setting. I will say this. I find it really fun to hang out with friends who are drinking. It's an adjustment for them, not for me. Mm. I'm totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> I know what it feels like. I'd be a freaking hypocrite to judge anyone for drinking. Absolutely. I, yeah, same. You know, I've, uh, you know like I, I, I've, I often say, I've drunken enough for five lifetimes, so I'd be a complete <laughs> hypocrite. But even if I hadn't, if you've drunken before and you've gotten drunk to the point of being paralytic and whatever, and I think most Australians have experienced that, mm. Um, you're you'd be a hypocrite, yeah. To to judge others yep. for for it, so I don't. But it took a lot of time for people to trust that, and some people don't trust that. So those sort of people don't invite me anywhere anymore. Yeah, right. That was an interesting change. Different types of friends. Yeah, don't you know they they think you don't want to party. Yeah, like dude, I can party harder than you. Yeah, I freaking drink. <laughs> To do it, I dance like a mofo. Yeah, you know, I make an ass of myself too without the alcohol. <laughs> um, yeah. But then there's others that don't care either way. It's like mm. doesn't, and I've experienced this with other substances too, mm. where you know, back in the acting days, everyone was doing coke, and so I was as well. I was I was pretty young, and then I just stopped, started getting nosebleeds in one nose, and I went, "Whoa, okay, that freaked me out," and I didn't do it anymore. Mm. I remember being on tour in. Um, China, actually, first tour of its kind uh, as a musician, and I was in. I don't know how I ended up here, but I was in this room with a bunch of triads, like gangsters, oh, and a few of my friends, <laughs> and um, and they were not happy about me not taking, having any coke. Oh, and I was like, look, dude, I've, I've I've smoked a bit of weed. I'm good. I'm, you know, I'm, and I'm not judging you guys having fun, aren't you? Having to like convince them that you don't, other people don't need to be on the same thing as you for you to have fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How'd you know? that go? Uh, <clears throat> we still here. I, I'm, I'm still here. My <laughs> a friend of mine like got really scared and left, but I was like, "No, nah, dude, it's, I've got this. It's all good." And, mm. 
and and I was good. It was all fine. It took me a while because you know that particular substance, just like alcohol, actually, it's like it it triggers off um, the reaction state, mm. like a negative reaction state. Yes, thinking everything's about them, mm. and alcohol is is you know it very much does that. So you know, I heard it's like it opens up all your chakras, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. and makes you um, and not in a good way. Like yeah. it's not like you know it, it does it 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 puts your consciousness through the filters of seeing everything through negative mm. in a negative way after a certain point. Obviously, the first couple of drinks it might not, mm. but why is it that most people can't stop there? Now, if I said to you, you can you just have you know when you're in a social setting, okay, I challenge you just to have two drinks tonight. Mm. Mm. Yeah, most people are like what? Mm. Just have two. Spread them out a bit if you have to, but yeah. use them. Like, what is the substance doing, and how can you enhance that mm. with your own consciousness, like with your own mind, with your own mm. focus? Because mm. you should be able to do that. And so, all I do when I'm with my friends is I'm, I imagine what it would be like to have a, a couple of drinks, mm. and, and it, it doesn't trigger you at all. To it just no, it just makes <clears throat> me get into that into the mm. chitty chatty headspace and bit looser mm. i don't need to actually put something physical in my mouth to consummate the thought i can be in that state from a choice within my own mind because um, we have you know we have the capacity to do that yeah and to, it's the and it's the, you'd be picking up on the energy of what's around picking you up too. on their vibe and yeah. they get you know and it's a lot of fun yeah i get it mm. but i don't need to participate in it and the ones that uh i, I you know that aren't um triggered by someone you know again it's from that they're taking it personally oh, it must mean he's judging me mm. and without me having to reassure them <laughs> yes yes you know which i shouldn't have to do but i don't mind doing because i understand i and you know one of the interesting things um and this is before i'd i'd quit alcohol but it it led up to that point I started doing music therapy for disabled people in the days, and, but I was still doing gigs in on the weekends and some evenings, right, in the nights. And the first time I did that job, that first week, and then the first gig I did that week, it would have been on the Friday night, and I was doing the gig and I'd literally done the music therapy that day and to see these people with Down syndrome and other disabilities who were so happy so happy that I was playing music with and for them mm. and just ju- enjoying life for the purity of life, right? Yeah, yeah. And then I was playing at this gig on the Friday night and, you know, I've done this thousands of times, but it was different tonight because I'd seen something and mm. this is what happened, right? So I'd finished the first set and this guy comes up to me and he's like, all right, that was fucking great, eh? you fucking awesome, eh? <laughs> and he's flopping all over the place. Yeah. And and I was judgmental. I'll, I'll admit to it. <laughs> I'll be honest. I was super judgmental at that point because mm. he he had his full capacity. He had full mental and physical health, mm. to the best of my knowledge. Mm. Right. This is where judgment makes an ass of, you know, to assume makes an ass of you and me. <laughs> um, to the best of my knowledge, he had the, his full mental and physical capacity and he made himself physically and mentally disabled. 
by the amount of, by yeah. how much he drank. And oh, yeah. in the yeah. day, there were people with physical and mental disabilities who would give anything to have the full capacity of their mind or their body. Yeah. They would never do something like that to themselves. And here's this guy, and not just this guy, he was representative of everyone in that in that um, venue. Why is it? Why do we want to get ourselves so mentally? Okay, well, this is where I go. I had to really process this because I can't be on stage. It's really emotional. Yeah, it's it like... was emotional for me too because mm. I was really in it. I was almost, I was freaking angry actually. I was on, I couldn't get back on stage and not be just like, you freaking assholes. What are you doing to yourselves? You're just making the a certain corporations rich and, mm. you know, becoming physically and mentally disabled. And I just had to really breathe into it. I, you know, play a bit of dig um, whilst doing my gigs. I always play dig, right? And it's one of those tools I use that just anchor me back into, ground me back into the earth, you know, pull me out of whatever state I'm in. And that point I was in, the, I was in my own angry egoic state, right? And at that point, I realized that actually they are disabled. Yeah. They're emotionally disabled. Yeah. And when when a whole culture is emotionally disabled, they will try and self-medicate with the substance that is legal, legalized, and maybe other substances as well, but they will do it with the legal one that they can, they can get a hold of. And that's culturally, not only culturally accepted, but encouraged. And they will force themselves to become mentally and physically disabled because of the ment- the emotional disability. Yeah. So then I realized, um, and I knew this kind of already, but this just anchored it in on such a deeper level that, you know, I always saw music as a healing force and, and without getting airy-fairy, it, it's, it was a way for humans to connect over thousands and thousands of years mm. socially and and emotionally and physically and mentally and spiritually. Um, and so I think good music, for example, it should move you in some way. It should move yeah. you either physically, mentally, emotionally or spiritually. And the good good songs would do a, a couple of those things. Great songs would do a few of those things. And the things the songs that stand the test of time or pieces of music that stand will do all of those things or mm. a combination of most of them. Yeah. And so I knew it's a, it was a healing thing. This just anchored this experience of doing music therapy for genuinely mentally and physically disabled people made me realize that it's all, it's all music therapy. Every gig is therapy. Yes. Not just for myself, but for them that my role didn't shift from being a, a a music therapist into an entertainer because I was an entertainer while I'm doing music therapy for in the, you know, Mm. wards and uh, she'll use those elements of whatever you think an entertainer is, a, a performing artist. So the performing artist is there, but the music therapist is always there, or the therapist. Absolutely. And all of the arts in some way mm. are a form of therapy. Mm. So for people out there who feel, to bring it back to the question you asked, for people out there who feel that maybe to limit the amount of alcohol. I don't know, you know, each of you are different. Everybody's different. Um with their levels of self-discipline. And most of us have discipline with something, mm. but don't realize. Yeah. And we all perform rituals every day. We have, whether they're healthy rituals or unhealthy rituals, we all, are, you know, 
creatures of habit in that sense. Mm. So all it is is just changing what those behaviors and habits are. And, um, you know, it's the same, the same problem that causes cultural alcoholism is the same problem that causes um, bad eating, which yeah. is I, almost, it's pretty much cultural, I mm. think, as well. Mm. I think um, not many people know what a healthy diet is, mm. including doctors and health you know, practitioners. Mm. But the impetus for eating badly or not exercising or whatever it is, and the, it's the same impetus that gets people to drink. It's the same. There's the same kind of core mm, mm. elements, and that's it's. I, I think it's easy to shift. And those people out there who go, but you know, quitting smoking or quitting drinking or quitting whatever it is, is really hard. It seems like that on the onset, but I don't think it is. I think if you stop something, there's a hole. Mm, yep. And you and you need to fill it with something else. Yeah. And I I first realized that when I was in my late teens because I, I smoked through my teenage years. In my late teens, I stopped smoking. All that happened was I was so freaking busy doing really healthy things for my mm. mind, body, and soul that I forgot to smoke. Yeah. I didn't have time yeah. to even stop and have a smoke. And I remember going into the kitchen where my older brother and my mum were smoking in the kitchen. I went, oh, I had, it'd been six months since I had a smoke right by this stage. Wow. And I went, oh, yeah, I'm a smoker. <laughs> and so yeah. I got... A pack of cigarettes, put one in my mouth, I lit it, and I was like, oh, no, I'm not. Yeah. And actually, this might help people actually too because the only time – and I quit smoking at that point. And when in, when you quit something, you often become an anti-something for a while mm. in order to just adjust. Yeah. And anti-smokers are the worst to be around. Oh, yeah. I've been and, one of those. Right. Right. <laughs> so, um, so I was like that. I was really – and but when I was out and about, the uh, – the, the age-old social smoker. Well, hey, social drinker, social smoker, mm. I smoked because I hated the taste of beer. Yeah. And I don't know how many of you out there actually <laughs> have thought about this, but beer tastes like shit. <laughs> I'm sorry. It, it's crap. It tastes like crap. And, and I know a lot of people are like, oh, no, I want to drink. I be- over years, I in those early years, I became a beer connoisseur. Yeah. I liked I, I taught myself to like beer, but I remember when I was a kid, I first tried beer. I didn't like it. It wasn't yeah. like sweet red wine or it wasn't like, you know, yes. these other. Yeah. Beer was really ugh, bitter and like, ugh, what yeah. the heck? Yeah. And then you train yourself to like it. It's like with cigarettes. When you first have your first puff of a cigarette, right. it's revolting. You usually vomit or right. sweat or it's disgusting. Exactly. And we teach ourselves. I, I did the same thing for me with coffee. I hated the taste of coffee. Now yeah. I love it. Yeah. Right? You train yourself to have these things because yes. you... It's like your body just immediately goes, yeah. Yeah. And then you f- everyone else is doing it, so you do it and you do it and you do it. Mm. Well, what made me smoke in those social settings was I hated to taste of beer, so I'd have a smoke. And then I hated to taste of smoke, so I'd have a beer. I was in this <laughs> cycle and it did it for years. And when I quit, it was interesting because when I quit alcohol, it was mostly for the beer that I quit. And then I didn't drink for five years. And when I came back to drinking, I never touched beer again. So literally, I haven't had beer since I was 23. So you're totally disconnected from that. It's 23 years I've not drunk a drop of beer. Wow, yeah. It's because you decided in your mind, you made that yeah. decision. I associated with something that didn't yes. suit me. And I went, why am I having something I don't like? Right. And that's, yeah. what, that's what I did with alcohol. So I just associated with something that doesn't, that gives me headaches and doesn't make me feel good. Mm. Um, and even though sometimes it 
did make me feel good. But the ultra, the you know, the overall uh, effect on me as a as a person, it just I, I, you know, mm. once you start desensitizing yourself, you forget. It's like you thicken your consciousness to what, for want of a better term, for what you don't like about something or what you know. But when you bring those sensitivities back yeah. <laughs> by not having something, yeah. It's like, oh. Yeah, like, ooh, what the hell? What the heck? Mm, what am I doing? You know. Mm. It's, and it's all part of, and this is the same that we talk about in coaching when we're coaching mm. someone. You see it for what it is. You recognize what it is that it's doing to you or what you don't like about it, how it's not serving you. Decide. Like everything in life is about making a decision. Once you've made a decision, then you can just direct your momentum towards that decision. But you've got to – there's something in your mind that has to shift. You have to change that identity of yourself. And yeah. I bang, about, bang on about this all the time in the podcast and then filling the void as well. But just taking that massive action towards that decision. Yeah. And that's what essentially what you did as well. So it is that combination. Mm. It's, it's uh, you know, it, the combination is associating, uh, making the correct association for what it actually does to you. And then also when you quit something, I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in quitting something cold turkey. Mm. But if you do that, you need to fill... Fill the, the void. Fill the void and fill the void with something um, healthy and, and accessible. Yeah. And um, and making sure, being prepared. So if you are going to a, a party, I bring a six-pack of kombucha with me. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So I, so that I can have the drink in my hand. Mm. I mean, I could go, I could talk for another couple of hours just on that, associate, the holding of the, of yeah, the drink in the hand. Absolutely. And what... Um, and ha- having something in your lips, yes, which is you know both drinking and cigarettes, for example, or any other substance that goes in your lips, um, is can be traced back to uh, demand feeding when you're a baby oh, on the yeah. nipple, mm. and the comfort that the, your mum's nipple or the mm. bottle mm. gave you when you're emotional. Mm. You know, so you're crying, and you, your parents have, uh, uh, from lack of sleep and everything else, afraid to so just put the tit in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> right, and it yeah. would settle the baby. Yeah, but we associate the feeling of something in our lips with calm. Mm. So as adults, what we do is we put things in our lips, be it cigarettes or a drink mm. bottle or whatever. Right. Um, so you mm. need to start understanding those triggers and those associations that are um, connected to the action of yeah of what's not healthy for you or addictive for you. Seeing the, yeah, seeing the patterns there for sure. Yeah. I, I'm totally down with that too. Like always having something, especially in the early days when someone's quitting early on, to have something in your hand. Yeah, be prepared. Yeah, mm. always. And You're going to a barbecue, be prepared. There's going to be people drinking beer there, right? Yeah. Or, you know, rum and coke or something. So bring, you know, it could be like uh, the the um, non-alcoholic gin you were telling, yeah. talking about before. the Monday distillery, yeah. Yeah, it could be something like that. Yeah. And, and, or it can be a, like for me, I bring kombuchas or whatever, like that kind of stuff. So yeah. you're prepared, you know, that you want to have, you, you also about making them feel comfortable or F them, just make yourself feel comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. whatever you need to do, prepare for it. Don't let it surprise you. And then you go, oh, okay, I'll just have one. Yes. Because it's never just one. No, it never is. Keeping it lighthearted. Um, yeah. Just like don't make it a big, heavy issue. I just no, like. No. Like, be almost flippant about it. Like, totally. oh, no, not drinking. 
oh, you know, or now yeah. I'm having a break or, or whatever, or yeah. I'm about yeah. to die of fucking liver failure or whatever. Or just <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> something, but that's not really Because it could happen. My, my stepfather died of, of oh, liver shit, cirrhosis. <laughs> no, no, not, don't be sorry. It's fine. Um, that's what happened. Liver, too much drinking, liver cirrhosis. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. So And um, yeah, so just keeping it lighthearted. Be prepared, lighthearted. But it's like making the decision, take the action. You know, and then be prepared. Yeah, being prepared. Keep a lighthearted. Keep a joyful. Just keep a Asking joyful yourself heart. Asking questions as well and, you know, being, you know, what is it that, why do I feel like I need? Oh, the self-inquiry is huge. Yeah, to yeah. do that. Why Why do they need to do it? You know? Yeah. Can you can you have an alcohol-free party and will your friends turn up? <laughs> <laughs> no. <Nah>. Right? <laughs> um, Some of my friends now would. But so. Yeah. But and, and maybe you don't need to make it alcohol free, and but maybe you can be alcohol free at the at the at the party, whatever you know. Yeah. You can limit it, make it sacred. You can do, you can take little shifts. Yes. Um, and your life is your life, so you're going to have to do it your way. And there might be certain things to navigate, yeah, certain hurdles to jump and yeah. and whatnot. But and like I like I started saying a little bit earlier. Maybe it's not about quitting it all together. Maybe it's about just having enough self-discipline to go, I'm just having two tonight, period. Maybe you're not, maybe you're not the designated driver, but maybe mm. you can put your hand up to be the DD yeah. or you just pretend you are the DD if it's at your place. Right and go. Oh, but I can only have two, and I'm going to have water in between. I mean, Ash and I tried that for quite a while too. Ash would do this thing where he'd just say, "I'll only have two. I'll have one before I play, one during when I play." But then, of Mm. course, it always. I'll just have one after, and then, oh no, look, I'll have two before I play, and then you know. Well, this is where it's 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 better to go cold turkey. It's fucking exhausting. It's like you. If you've got the self-discipline, you could do that. And I yes. did it for years. I, as I mentioned before, I had only two drinks. But it crept back in, right? But it eventually got me. But it took me years, yeah. but, it, but it eventually got me. No, that's and great. it kind of, you know, that's why I go, look, it's just going to be better if you go cold turkey. Fill it with some, fill the void with something else, something healthy. Mm. Um, and when I say healthy, something that gets the oxygen pumping through the body, you know, especially, say, quitting smoking as well, you know. Mm. Um go and do take up a dance class or a martial art class or a yoga or something that is to do with breathing. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and and maybe, you know, with uh, with the quitting of alcohol, if that's the the path you're going down, consume more water. Yeah. Um and uh up your levels of vitamin C through mm. the the fruits that you eat mm. to help your liver process the years and years and years of Mm. of damage you've done to the to it that's good advice right mm. and it's looking at all of those kind of things from a holistic perspective because mm. it's not just mind it's also body um i think physical addiction is an over-exaggerated thing compared to mental addiction in some cases yeah i definitely agree yeah uh, it's like what you were saying earlier about with the jewish culture and different mm. cultures i know in italy you know they'll give mm. kids a small amount to drink yeah but they do have such reverence for the alcohol. And if yeah. we were to teach our kids, but our kids are not being modeled that reverence, no. unless maybe they're in a Jewish, you know, um, or upbringing. Or some kind of culture, yeah. Or some kind of culture where they practice that kind of reverence. Mm. If we were to bring up our kids like that, we, would ha- we wouldn't all be so fucked up. And so probably right. even emotionally fucked up because we've um, completely numbed ourselves with alcohol, with our emotional state. Mm. Then then we are, like you say, we're also, you know, I see someone that's drunk, Mm. really drunk, 
and like how you were saying, you know, you've made yourself so disabled in this way. Yeah. I just see the hurt in people now. Yeah. I can totally, I see right through that. I'm like, totally. I know you might think you're having a good time, but I can see that you're in so much pain. something. Yeah, yeah. And you totally kind of just want to reach out craving into Craving connection and craving love is yes. probably one of the core Oh, absolutely. Problems. And yep. coming from, you know, it almost doesn't matter what culture you come from now, but it's like there's, there used to be this, and as a man too, stoic, Mm. kind of holding your emotions and all yeah. that. And Australia culture comes from English culture and, and or more to the point, probably more Cockney stiff up, culture. Stiff up a lip, lad. Yeah, and there was all of that. There was that, yeah. you know, that stoicism and yeah. not the positive aspects of stoicism <laughs> No, um, where your emotions are shut down. Well, what are you going to do when – what happens when you drink is that you, you your mouth is freed up first so you start telling some truths Yes. Um, whether you like it or not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. maybe to the wrong person, <laughs> Yes. you know, yeah. and get yourself in trouble or to everybody on a table with your boobs hanging out. Yes. I don't know. Yeah, but yeah. that's <laughs> yes. that's what can happen. Mm. And, I mean, how many of us uh, had sex with someone we didn't really want to have sex with? And this is for men and women, right, where you've, you know, you've just drunken that much where you're – Gray area of yeah. judgment of or discernment has <laughs> sort of slipped out, and then you know the next morning you're like, oh my god, what have I done? Chew my own arm off, get me out of here. <laughs> yeah. And that that's happened to guys and girls. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. it's that's not a gender issue. It's like alcohol will put an obfuscation between your your reasoning mm. and what happens. You'll yes. obfuscate what you're doing. And I I think everything you put in your body is is either healthy or unhealthy for you for you in some way. And when you're making a choice to eat something, you bypass like, oh, here mm. comes that mud cake or whatever. <laughs> you yeah, bypass yeah. what you know it's gonna do to to the rolls around you know, yes. <laughs> whatever to your butt. Yes. And you go for the immediate gratification. So this is the other element to quitting anything is is gratification. Mm. We want instant gratification in our culture and now mm. more than ever. Um, and we're trying to escape the the feeling of being an economic slave. Because it's I mean there's political reasons, there's economic mm. reasons, mm. it's not just social. There's all there's all sorts of um other cultural signifiers that get people to do something like consume alcohol on a regular basis. You mm. mean so exhausted because you mean you're overworked and underpaid, mm. and and so come home and bam, I'll just have that beer and sit and watch the and the, numb out, numb out, right? Yeah, and um, <clears throat> which is how common. Yeah, right. Mm. Well, maybe you are feeling overworked and underpaid maybe you are feeling unloved maybe maybe it's a combination of the whole range of these factors mm. and maybe if you're listening to this it's because you've you're either like me and you're not drinking anymore and you're wanting reassurance and to have it reaffirmed that it's the right choice for you mm. and just a bit keep your consciousness in that headspace yes. or maybe you're listening to this because you're thinking of it, you've been thinking of it for a long time mm. and you just want to take that first step mm. and no one else can take that first step for you. Mm. But maybe it's time to start questioning all of the little things that both culturally and personally of the reasons why you drink. Mm. Um, they might not, you know, it. it's not going to be one big main reason. 
Mm. Not really. They try and make that out in the, in films. And yeah. It's that kind of storytelling. It's like, oh, he or she left me and so now, or I was abused when I was a kid or, and so I became a alcoholic or a yeah. drug addict, right? Yes, those things may have happened, but I know plenty of people who experienced those same things that didn't become drug addicts or alcohol. Well, some people will use it to their advantage, or they'll use it to propel them to make a change in their life or to not let that happen to a future generation or whatever that. Exactly. Whatever yeah. you experience in life, you're, making, you're still making choices when you make that choice to pour that drink or pick it up and sip it yeah. or take whatever else it is that you're leaning on, mm. um, whatever other addiction that you have, you know. Mm. And as long as – like, there's nothing inherently wrong with making those choices as long as you're aware that you why you're making those choices. And how it makes you feel afterwards. Yeah. I think when you're drinking and it's not having any effect on your life, really, if you can be really honest about that, then mm. it's fine. You know, the people who have a couple of drinks and they've got it under control. But when yeah. you're waking up the next day and you think you're feeling ashamed or you're feeling regretful or – or sick. Sick. Or you got headaches. Yeah, that's your body or saying. Or you're sluggish. Yeah, and you all go, those oh, things. God, I needed two coffees this morning because I'm feeling that. I was talking with Ash about this the other day, and mm. this has just come from someone I was coaching the other day. They were saying that they love alcohol. I have this all the time. Different people say, I just love it. I love it. Yeah, it's yeah. fun. It gives me confidence. And the more mm. we keep, I keep inquiring with them, so how do you feel the next day when you've had too much? Because obviously you're not on this call with me unless it's a problem. Yeah. So how do you feel the next day when you've gone too far? Well, I feel um, like I've got no self-worth and, you know, I'm regretful. I feel ashamed. I'm like, is that fun? And do you feel confident at that point? Mm. Absolutely not. So it strips away what they're trying to get from it. And yeah. I think that comes back to that immediate gratification exactly, yeah. versus delayed gratification. Yes. Yes. And we are in a culture that that venerates immediate gratification. The consumerist culture is it it's it, it's pivoted and poised upon immediate gratification. Yes. And it's why we we reach to our phones and and we've got to be connect, feel like we're connected. We get that little endorphin rush. Yeah. How many people have liked this? And, <clears throat> and yeah, whatever yeah. it is, yeah. exactly. And, yeah. um, and and so that that's probably a really big one that we have to address as, as a community and mm. as a culture. But you can only address it like that when you're in a position where you've dealt with it on a personal level. Yeah. Do... And I'm not saying not... I'm not saying you don't get immediate gratification from something. I mean... Otherwise, you'd never have sex with your love with your partner, you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, or it's like you want you want to give them immediate gratification. You want immediate grat. There's there's plenty of things you can get gratification from immediately. Mm. Um, and there's plenty of things that, that probably more things that are delayed gratification, mm. as in that what is the long the the bigger picture the and big the bigger picture. result, mm. and that I think alcohol is one of those things. Yeah, absolutely. The, the the delayed gratification of of abstaining is far greater than mm. the immediate gratification of um, over consuming. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> it's it's like if someone's drinking for confidence and the, it's actually it turns out that the alcohol is taking away the confidence. Yeah. It's like working on on yourself in a way that makes you feel more confident about yourself and Every time you go to a social gathering, I'm sure you can attest to this, that when you get through it and you haven't drunk and you've stood your ground and you've been able to chat to people and you left early if you had to or, or you didn't, yeah. you woke up the next day, you wake up the next day 
and you feel that little bit more confident. And then you'll do something else that makes you feel a bit more confident that doesn't involve drinking and it builds on itself and it's in a, and it's in its purest form. It's accumulative and it's, and yeah, and it's, it becomes bigger because the gratification is in, becomes your daily life. Yeah. And might take time to build it to that, but it's, it's definitely that I completely agree. So, I mean, with part of your background, (laughs) um, you know, with acting and music and, you know, you're obviously a very holistic type person in the way you think and the way you treat your body, but not everyone has that background. You know, there's a lot of Aussie dudes out there that are just, you know, emotionally a little bit, there's a bit of a, avoid there or yeah. there's you know there's- yeah that's just conditioning i mean all, all that's happened is that that's generation upon generation upon generation of um of training of conditioning yes uh, uh you to uh, particularly men um mm-hmm. to not express emotion and to you know hold it all in and you know chin up and and all of that kind of stuff there is a time and place to hold it in i'm not mm. saying there isn't there is a time and place to Mm. pull your chin up you know it's not bad advice outright it's Mm. just that it's the only advice Mm. and so what ends up happening is the only uh emotional state that is unconsciously agreed on for a man to express is anger Mm. and so it creates all sorts of issues which we're seeing in 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 a lot of the gender issues we're coming across with the you know, toxic masculinity, all these sort of labels. Mm. Well, you know, got to go under the surface of that as well mm. because there's pain underneath that. There's mm. a lot of um, held back emotions, mm. and uh, you know, to to those people that are, you know, those Aussie blokes you're talking about. Mm. Da, da, da. Well, you know, if you're a tough bloke, if you're genuinely tough, you're able to to have the intelligence enough to discern who is the right person to talk to mm. and you, you pick one or two close friends and you you friggin' talk to them mm. real talk mm. about mm. your emotions without the alcohol mm. they get down and go okay i've been feeling this way this depression or whatever it is and i'm scared mm. i'm or you know because it's fear a lot of the time too we're so fearful and yeah, we're hiding from absolutely. those fears yeah, yeah. and um so if you're a tough guy, you won't hold it in in that sense. You would tell the right people. You don't tell everybody. Mm. But although you might find that when if you haven't told anybody anything for so long, you'll end up telling everybody everything when you're on alcohol. Mm. And you might not want to and it might not be in a very functional way. It'll be an extremely dysfunctional way. So you won't even communicate what you need to communicate mm. anyway. Mm. Uh, but everyone will know what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. Um, or you'll just end up... Um, being violent or something that you don't want to be, you know, because mm. true strength is having the ability to find balance in your life. I would think, you mm. know, true strength is there is a time and place to be emotional, and there's a time and place not to be emotional. Mm. I think men and women can learn from that. Yeah, you know? and there's there's actually probably a good exchange there where, generally speaking, these are massive generalizations, but generally speaking, in the greater culture of Australia, that um, out there. Um, women are more capable of expressing their emotions and men aren't. Mm. Men are more capable of keeping, you know, keeping secret or keeping things, uh, not, secret's not the right word, um, respecting someone's privacy and, or, and that's not even the right word either, but somehow the, the, the element of story, the a positive element of stoicism that exists in, in masculinity in, the, in that, that sort of mainstream culture 
there's something that the mainstream women can learn from too. So mm. that, like there's a, an exchange that the men need to learn from the women more, uh, more importantly now though, mm. in this time of how to express emotion because male suicides are, are the highest, you know, that like 10 times higher than female suicide. And it's really because of this. And alcoholism exists in both the sexes and in a, a, almost all cultures. And, the stereotype that we all go to when we're talking about alcoholism in this culture is a, is an Aussie male drinking mm. beer, watching the footy, blah, 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 right? And, mm. you know, it's we go to that one. So why is that? And why is that the, the highest, you know, men from the age of sort of 25 to 65, more importantly 35 to 55, uh, the highest suicide rates? You yeah. Know? Yeah. And how strongly is alcohol tied into that it is massively tied into it Mm. you know oh absolutely yeah Um, and we're seeing so much more of it now at the moment with what's going on in the world and right i think we're all i feel like people are either completely not there emotionally they're not there for themselves and they're not nurturing themselves or they're going the other way and they're becoming more enlightened and open Mm. depending on who you speak to really and what yeah you know what's going on for them but yeah, it's all it's all huge. Oh, look, we just solved the world's problems. Oh, mate. <laughs> but look, I, I I make light of it, but I know that this topic is it's vital. It's an important and um and and it's so important because it's so big in our culture. I've had a couple of friends in in the last month take their own lives, yeah. and they were men in their fifties uh, or forties and fifties. Um, both musos, actually. Was Mick Hart one of them? Yes, Mick yeah. Up's one of those, and yeah. uh, it, like I haven't, we'd lost contact over the years, and it was interesting because uh, earlier this year, or late, no, it was early this year, I'd sent him a message. I saw it; he was in, back in Australia, he'd been living mm. in France, and I was like, mm. "Hey, we should, because we should do gigs together." And it was like, yeah. "Let's, um, you know," and he was like, "Yeah, yeah," but you know, life's life, and then COVID's COVID, and mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. all that, yeah. And then, bam, I was like, "Boom!" And it wasn't just that. There's was another friend in uh, Western Australia. And that was heavily tied in with alcohol. Yeah. That particular, his his partner, who's, who I've been friends with for over a couple of decades, she's now very, being very vocal about alcoholism mm. and um, particularly with men and particularly with musos. But, you know, yeah. but all, that nobody's addressing the, you know, you get, on the cigarette la- labels you have pictures of lungs and that well why uh why is an alcohol labeled in a similar way because it is the the greatest cause of so many of the problems in our in our society it just fucks up everything (laughs) when it's when it's got its grip on you absolutely like it's it ruins families and lives and your health and everything you know what though even if it doesn't have a grip on you Mm. it can turn you into a nutter in just one night yeah yeah. Even if you're not what you would normally be considered an alcoholic, right? Yeah. And and I would say our culture is alcoholic. Yeah. That's what I would actually oh, say. Oh, sure. But yeah. if and and that's normalized. Yeah. But let's say it, it isn't, and you're just a normal person. You can turn into a, an extremely abnormal person and do something you you and other people will regret for the rest of your life. Oh, that one night, just yeah. from one night. And it's only um, alcohol to blame. This is what I. Mm. This I'm just trying to ram this home with people at the moment. Yeah. It's like, would you have done this thing without having the alcohol? And it's not about passing the buck and not being accountable for your behavior, but it's... No, but it distorts your vision of reality. Yeah, and it's realizing that 
it is not, it's not your friend. It makes you do fucked up shit. Yeah. And stuff that you, there's no way you would do without question. You would never behave like that depending on what it is um, without that in your system. I mean, yeah. I mean, if I was to think, I won't necessarily talk about them here, but the things in my life that I'm ashamed of have Mm. always had um, alcohol involved in it. Yes, same. Um, And not, you know what? And not any other substances. I've taken plenty of other substances, but it's alcohol. That has been in there, and again, not making excuses. It's still me that made that choice. But you're, you're when you're drunk or get or tipsy, and you're, you know, let's just say when you're drunk, your vision of the world is distorted, severely distorted, mm. and you take so much more things personally. Yes, or you have more proclivity to do that to take it more personally. Yeah. Um, so it slows the pre the frontal prefrontal cortex. cortex. Yeah, it numbs that, brings you back to reptilian brain. Yeah, and so yeah. you can't make yeah, sharp decisions, or you're not mm. making you're not making rational decisions at that point when it's got that far. No, well, the prefrontal cortex is the is where the empathic and compassionate kind of thought forms mm. come. They they mm. studied it quite intently, and it's right there. Yes. So when you're when alcohol brings you back to the amygdala when you're in, in the reptilian brain and you're in reaction mode, su- survival mm. of, you know, fight or flight mm. or freeze, right? Um, you're less capable of being compassionate. You're less capable of being em- em- empathic, you know, or empathetic, sorry. It, it's interesting because I, it, it, for me, I've been predominantly vegan for most of my life, right? Mm-hmm. And not militantly vegan and all that. I know this is, might... Um, don't freak out out there when you're listening to this. <laughs> okay. When I say, well, we are it in is, the bar it's, in a, it's a very polarizing <laughs> word now, vegan. I prefer to use the word plant-based or predominantly plant-based. But there's a lot of misconceptions about that whole movement and about that notion, even within the movement yeah, <laughs> itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, in a similar way to I don't drink or I can't drink, is that I've experienced is that, oh, I, I can't have dairy. Then yeah. I don't get questioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't have meat. Yeah. <laughs> then I don't get questioned. If I say yeah. I don't, or if I say I'm a vegan, or I say I'm a plant, or whatever, a vegetarian, vego, um, there's either questions or berate, get berated or yeah. negative connotations. Yeah. And there's a very similar parallel um, mm. that I've experienced with that as with that. Same, which is why I also brought up smoking. There's similar parallels. That's a little bit smoking is a little bit more normalised. Go, yeah, it's unhealthy. Good on you. Blah blah blah. Mm. Alcohol. People say good on you, right? Mm, oh, mm. I haven't drunk since 2012. Oh, that's great. Good on you, mm. right? Well, um, you know. Oh, I eat. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a metaphor here. I, I analogy. Sorry. Um, I I eat veggies every week. Oh, good on you. <laughs> Nobody's going to do that because you just do it, Mm. you know. Mm. Oh, I brush my teeth every night. Good on you. (laughs) I've been brushing my teeth every night for 30 years, 40 years. Wow, that's great. How do you do that? (laughs) You know, that's where we need to get to. Yeah, yeah. With these kinds of choices. Yeah. The normalization of these things, like... Mm. Um, without there being some kind of explanation or stigma yes. um, a- around it. 
Yeah, it should just be able to be, it's your choice. That's what you're doing. Yeah. And it should be more celebrated. And this is why I have this podcast. Yeah. So yeah, that right. we can start this conversation and make it more normal. Mm. And for people to not feel shamed if they're not drinking. Because uh, early on, I know Ash was definitely like this. He was a bit, if I say I'm not drinking, people are going to think I had a problem. Right. Right. And I'm a musician too, yeah. touring around. And, and it, it, I had the same kind of feelings too. Yeah, because you don't want that stigma of this, you know, but yeah, now but it's he's also so oh, he's not one of us anymore. Yeah. Or he's not one of us. Yes. And and when you, you know, for want of a better term, your brand as a music business, as a musician and as an artist mm. needs to, it, it connects with people, not just because of the music, but also how, what you represent mm. within that. One of the interesting things about me being a musician, and this is in direct contradiction contrast to being an actor to be a live performing musician you need to be in a place that um sells drugs oh, i mean alcohol alcohol yeah yeah <laughs> i see what you did there yeah <laughs> you see what i did there like i kind of like made it look like alcohol and drugs are really similar because <laughs> they fucking are um, <laughs> bit of these drug pushing right Yes. You're in a legalized drug pushing place yeah. that pay you. They they have the stage and the equipment or whatever to play to keep them there mm. to drink more. Absolutely. And and by being a live performing musician unless you're only doing house concerts, at, you know, you are part of that system and it, and so if you then take a stance of not being a drinker, mm. oh my god. Yeah, it's, it's too. I, I don't. When I get on stage, I don't have the time to explain to each individual. Hey, I don't judge you for drinking. <laughs> Excuse um, me. Except for that there. one night where I had, you know, when I was doing music therapy. Aside from that <laughs> night, I never judge you about your drinking. Yeah, you don't have time to explain why you don't, or yes. why you can't, or why they should, or why they shouldn't. You just need to play your music. Yeah, you know, until we're maybe doing what the, the theater is doing, and act in acting, I can be an actor. And not have to sell alcohol to do it. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. I can go to a theatre yeah. and people don't, they're not, you're not allowed to bring your drinks in. But if music was, <laughs> if music too, like to get it out of the pubs even, to get it into more of a situation yeah. where people are sitting down and they're enjoying a meal maybe or... Why, why can't it be at a festival where they're, you know... Oh, why can't it be at a festival where they're, you know, um, celebrating life? I know. I know. With or without yes. some kind of substance. And it's like you have to push it. I know years ago um, when Ash and I first met, mm. I was playing at a, a residency every Wednesday night at the Dan O'Connell Hotel mm. in Melbourne. And we're in a, we had this sort of, me and three, uh, there was three of us, three girls, we were called Six Boobs Acoustic, gorgeous name. <laughs> and the owner, Kevin, loved us because yeah. we would drink while we were playing yeah. and we would get everyone in the audience to buy a shot. Yeah, like that's what I used to do, yeah. Each set. And so they would all buy a shot, we'd all have a shot together. Yeah, and yeah. we had a big following, so he was just cleaning up. He loved it. Yeah. And um if there was ever a time where I'd be like, I'm not drinking this week, Kevin, he's like, What? Well you better just pretend we'll put water in it or you know, like and and Ash and I had a residency at the snow playing covers years and years yeah. ago, like twenty years ago. And um same thing, like getting everyone to have shots I, look, and I, I, that's I, how we got Ask back. A lot of people, a lot of uh, other musos and young music, whatever, have asked me. I've been mentor for a lot of young musos. A lot of people have asked me how I've stayed without having popped through the next 
level of success, right? How I've managed to keep a career going as an original music uh, musician, and it's and I'm not going to say it's not been hard, but one of the one of the things was was getting people to buy the piece. bar sales whenever I played were hot, you know sometimes double triple yeah. than when anybody else played yeah and, and I love that because I knew the reason that I'm in there is to help them sell alcohol yeah so you encourage that yeah yeah, yeah. and um and so going going back to when I first was in the transition from acting being my main career to al- to alcohol being my main career <laughs> <laughs> How's that for a faux pas, ladies and gentlemen? I see what you um, did there. <laughs> see what I did there. Um, to mu- music being my main career, there was a lot of other factors involved. But one of the things I initially did was I refused to play the pubs. So I was only playing at halls, right? Mm. But um, it reached. You can't go any further. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it also limited how far a feel like could go. Yes. And it was a really big step because I wasn't drinking then. And I was pretty anti-alcohol then. Yeah. Um, I was very pro <laughs> mushrooms, but I was very anti-alcohol. <laughs> no. um, but, uh, you know, even to the point, and I saw music as sacred, so I would even wear, you know, white <laughs> just to remind me why I'm there. Right. So and, for laughing. <laughs> no, we're in Byron. There's, there's a reason you're laughing. Was it cheesecloth? Totally. <laughs> It was tie pants and fucking, you know, <laughs> I was hippied out to the max, dude. Um, there's elements of that I, I, I love and I yeah. wish I could bring back. Maybe yeah. I will in some way, yeah. but without it being some cheesy hippie new age thing. Yeah. Because there are positives to it. Treating mm. the performance as a, as a sacred ritual, mm. all, all the arts, all um, performing arts specifically – come from real from ritual initially mm. i mean i studied this in acting school we, we had to, f- to study the roots of of the performing arts and of theater and it all comes back to sacred ritual and mm. um and all that stuff so yes. it was an easy thing for me to put into um i think we're segueing here a bit nathan going tangential but um <laughs> another tangent brought to you by nathan k <laughs> Um, but the thing is that um, I didn't play in, in – I played in halls and not in alcohol-selling venues on purpose. Mm. But if I wanted a career in music, I just had to do it. Yeah. I had no – I wasn't famous. I didn't have any clout, you know, I uh, and so I, I had to do it. And it was – it was hard to adjust to for the first sort of year or so. And then you started drinking again. And eventually I started drinking yeah. again. And, um and then pushing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, and I would like to see music not necessarily not be at the, the pubs and that, but not be the only place mm. that you can experience quality original music, independent yes. music. I would like to see, you know, festivals take some more responsibility. They, you know, I'd like to see it, you know, get further afield in that sense. Um, and having the availability of non-alcoholic drinks as well available, like selling kombuchas or you know beautiful drinks, like we we're talking about, you know the Monday Distillery stuff. Oh the my god! Spark. There's all these etch sparkling, all these beautiful drinks that you can get. If they were to sell those as well as an option, and why just drinks as well? Yeah. This is the thing, right? I, and I've said this to various venue owners over the years, mostly to deaf ears, um, from ranging from pubs to. You know what we would consider proper venues and 
that are designed just for music. And, uh, you know, pubs are, are the places where you have, they're trying lots of different things. They're a restaurant, they're a, they're a casino, <laughs> they're a, a TAB betting thing. Yeah. They're an alcohol selling venue. Yes. They're a music venue. Mm-hmm. Um, and whatever else they can jam in there, right? And rather than being specialist and going, we're just the best at this, um, they're doing that. I get it. That's a, a type of business model and, and in our culture kind of works. But if you're going to have music somewhere, you need to make it feel like a, a space that mm. – is worthy of a, a performance. And if mm. it's not, you're going to get less quality in there. Mm. And it's going to be, um, it's going to rely heavily on the alcohol yeah. to, to keep it if it's, if it's anything else. But um, I've told so many of them, like, why don't you, um, you know, if, especially if you want them drinking more, why don't you have really top level uh, uh, barista there doing coffees? Mm. At nine at night. Yeah, why not? Right? Why turn the coffee machine on? Boom. And then healthy juices so that they're, and waters so that they're, they're refreshed. What and then, of idea. course, the tipsiness starts going away, so they're going to get more alcohol sales. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. was saying it to them, going, if, think about what it does to your body and what you can do to extend that. I mean, I was trying to help them be drug pushers. <laughs> <laughs> but none of, none, or, or finger food, fill the belly up a bit. Yeah. And then... It's a great idea. I mean, there's so many mm. all, uh, uh, what's it, augmented products that they could sell. Yeah. That doesn't have to be all alcohol. Yeah. And some great restaurants are taking that on now. I think it's a great idea that should be going to the pubs for sure. For yeah. any of you pub owners out there listening to this, which I doubt that would be many. Um, <laughs> I played a show a couple of weeks ago with Emmy Lubitz. I was mm. supporting her at the Brunswick Picture House. Okay, yeah. And some of my friends who came down there said, this is so nice to just sit. And mm. they wasn't full of drunk people. Yep. And they could sit and watch the music and enjoy. You could buy some popcorn. And that was beautiful. You, enjoy you could more. buy kombucha you, there. When it's more uh, of a theatre type space. So enjoyable. And for the artists And as there's well. silence. Mm. And the artist can take you on a journey. The journey, um, you know, you're going to love every single note played. Yes. And as opposed to there's an awesome musician playing and I'm just going to chat all night. Yeah. And then when they do you something. Don't, so for me, I'll... I'll just knowing the nature of the those kind of venues, I'll do, you know, my didgeridoo one-man band thing is one thing, gets them going, oh, wow. The beat, I do a comedy beatbox uh, bit within the show mm. and just to break through the thick viscosity of <laughs> chitter-chatter and, uh, and alcohol sort of uh, galah, Mm. I think of Galah, Galah, yeah. um, through the thickness of it all, the yeah. atmosphere to get their attention, the, the diminishing attention spans of the modern um, human. Mm. Um, but when you're in a concert, you don't need to rely on those things. You can do, you can actually just take them on a music journey with storytelling and everything else. And mm. um, that's either within the song itself or in between and all that kind of stuff. And they, at the end, they go, that was awesome. Yeah, because they're witnessing something Dude. and they're going on this journey. Yeah. And they're not, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. You're going to enjoy it more if you're on the journey. And, <sighs> uh, you know, whether it's alcohol free or just have had a couple of wines, you're just going to enjoy it more if you're actually listening. You just enjoy everything more because you're more present. When you're not drinking, yeah. you're 
present. You're yeah. in something. You're watching it. You're there. Yeah. I remember years ago going to see um, the Waifs. They were playing at um, in Byron there. What's that called? The Great Northern. I was drunk as a fucking skunk and I hadn't seen them play for years. And, you know, we've, Ash knows them and we've known them, you know, through different people, whatever. Yeah. I was probably the drunkest person there and they were trying to play their new album and I was having none of that. I wanted to hear Gillian, the song Gillian, you know, oh, Gillian. And, um, every, like during their songs, whilst they were trying to speak on, they're going, Gillian, play Gillian. Like this, and you were that person. I was that fucking person. There's always a few of those. Oh my yeah. god! And I just was relentless. I just did not. At least stop. it was one of their songs. And you weren't going, Casey, <laughs> Copperhead Road. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, I could see um, Vicky was getting annoyed. Like she kept sort of looking over at me, and I was just sort of like, shut up, <laughs> like this. And I just wouldn't stop. And then oh. I was getting drunker and drunker. And you know, in the end, she goes, "Enough, shut up." <laughs> like she yeah. pointed to me. She's like, "Shut up." Stop it. And I just like, oh, my God. I was so – and to this day, I can't even – like if she's backstage at a festival that we're at, I kind of go somewhere else because I'm so embarrassed. I've never been able to front up to her and say, I'm so fucking sorry. That's – you know, just another cringe moment. But I feel feel you. And it's But I missed the the whole gig because I was so in my fucking head and wanting Gillian and all this stuff and I missed the whole gig. But you thought you were doing something good too. I thought I was amazing. You were were requesting one of their songs. Yeah. And so you thought you were being one of their heroes' greatest fans, but you weren't listening to anything else. Yeah, I was listening to that. And this I was just is being so a common that ass. what you just said, I've experienced at so many venues yes. where someone tr- thinks they're being my biggest fan and then yes. they're just being the, Pain the, the biggest ass. distraction Ugh. to everyone, not just me on the stage. I can black that shit out, but other people are being disturbed by it. It's yes. Like, Obviously, for you, life has. Mm. Life's got better, right? So, in what ways, hmm. um, from not drinking alcohol, has life improved for you? Okay, like, how have you question. seen it change? God, it, it, I, I guess there's many levels. One, I'm not having to ever, ever, ever have to worry about the, what you just said before. Yeah, being a dick. <laughs> being the idiot. Yeah. Um, oh, without, you know, not to say, I'll, I'll choose to be an idiot when I want to be an idiot and and I can't hide behind the fact that I've had alcohol. Yeah. It's just me. It's yeah. like, yeah. I'm a bit of an idiot sometimes. I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I think that having sobriety, like having clarity and being present with who uh, I am in any situation has always appealed to me more. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, there was a similar reason, and I'll, I'll equate it to this because I used to smoke a ton of pot when I was young. And I could still play guitar and everything, but there was a point where I wanted to get better at playing guitar. Mm-hmm. I actually wanted to know what, you know, all the modes were and that my fingers could handle it. And mm. um, and I wasn't able – like I remember actually being playing one time after a spliff. <coughs> someone requested one of my songs. I'm halfway through the song and just forgot all the fucking words. Mm. This is, just went completely – I got stoned and I missed it. <laughs> kind of moment where I was just. Yeah. And I didn't like that. I wanted to be on it. Mm. I wanted to be completely switched on. Mm. And I like feeling switched on. Mm. Um, you know, it's not to say that I don't, you know, I've got sleep depth from having young kids at the moment. I'm just <laughs> sort of get delirious from other things like that. But mm. it's not, you know, it's not the same as being 
having my world blurred. Mm. It's like um, living your life with a highly pixelated. If you you know get drink regularly, it's like you're seeing through the lens of a, a very smudged, very smudged lens that's a highly pixelated screen, and then suddenly you've got this you know, 4K resolution mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're not drinking and you mm. can see everything clearly and you can experience it and remember it. Mm. Um, actually, I, I will say this. I was never one of those people that would drink and forget. Oh, really? As in I didn't have – and I always envied those people. Ah. <laughs> like how can you I, – I actually thought people were bullshitting. Really? Because I, I could drink like a fish, like tons of and – and I remember everything. And I'd be like, oh, I really don't want to remember that. And then I talked to Sophie, I remember that. Really? But I was one of those. But anyway. Um, well, I was such a blackout person. Oh, yeah? Oh, oh bad. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So that probably, you know, helps people to keep doing it because they don't even remember. Well, I hated that feeling. But now we're living in the age of like the, the cell phone yeah. everywhere. Oh, you don't remember? Well, have a look at this. Yeah, <laughs> check this out. <laughs> You've just gone viral, motherfucker. Uh, I remember filming <laughs> Ash a few times because like, he's not going to believe me when I tell him he was doing this, so I'm going to film it and show oh. him tomorrow. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> burn, burn. Yes, you're going to burn. <laughs> but uh, look, you know, I think the, 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 the biggest – takeaway for me from now more than eight years of not drinking is clarity being able to remember and learn things better having being just being more switched on in general being clearer um it was the same when i was in my 20s and i didn't drink for five years i was really clear and mm. um i did yeah i that's why i say it's boring not i don't want to be you know, blending into society in a, mm. in that kind of way. Mm. There's other ways to blend into your community, mm. but you know, I mean, what performing artist wants to blend in? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you need to sort of stick out. But yeah. this day and age, everyone's an op- on- freaking entrepreneur. Well, you yeah. want to stand out? Stop drinking. That'll yeah. make you stand out real yeah. quick. Yeah, because you'll see everything clearly. Yeah, you know. Um, but you know, if you were to go down that path then just make sure you don't do it in a judgy way. You know, mm. just enjoy the people that are your close friends and family when they're drinking. Be the example. Yeah. You know, because if you're there and you're not being a mess, you know, you're not being messy, but you're still happy and and, and able to be social and you're not, you know, then eventually that's going to rub off. Yeah, don't you know? become a boring, freaked out motherfucker either, like sitting in the corner, like going, eh. Like, no. yeah, be like, keep a light heart. And I don't think anybody does. Yeah. I think when you've got more clarity, it depends, like, you know, it depends on whether you're working on your own self-confidence because that's a mm. whole other issue. Mm. And, well, not another issue. It is related, but I'm, I mean, like, whether you drink or you don't drink, you should be work- working on that. What is it that makes you incapable of just speaking and communicating? <laughs> And okay, sometimes you're going to be in a mood where you're not in that. Well, they just don't go to the party or leave. But mm. and sometimes maybe you're not the type of person that is extroverted and able to um, be as verbose as someone like I am and mm. confident. Blah blah. blah. Um, although I have my moments, but it's like, but that doesn't matter. You don't have to be the life of the party either. Yeah. But the thing is that if you are there and present, you're able to be present with people, and and you're still lighthearted and having mm. fun. Mm. 
that will rub off. People will notice. Yes. Eventually. And they do. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. some won't at all. You know, I'm, I often come across other friends who they like, oh, I haven't, I haven't been drinking now for a year and they have no idea I haven't been drinking. I've been hanging out with them <laughs> for years and they don't know I don't drink. Yeah. And that's obviously because you're not sitting there being a judgy. Well, we have to wrap up, unfortunately. I so enjoyed this chat. You were amazing. And um, I'll put some links up to your website and things like that in the show Sweet. notes yeah, so yeah. people can check out what you're doing, where you're playing. Well, interestingly enough, I do have a – I've got a new song coming out on the 16th of October. Awesome. Called Watcher Watching the Watcher. Oh, well. Right. Watch so, out for that one, people. Right. Watch out. <laughs> Better watch out. It's – but it – it like while it's, whilst it's not about alcohol, it is about um, being so present with yourself mm. that you're able to become the observer of mm. of yourself mm. in action, mm. and then go deeper and become the observer of the observer yeah. of yourself. And, for, and <clears throat> so, I, I think it is related because I think that's naturally what ends up happening to a lot of people who become more you know join the sobriety team mm. is that you become more aware and you can then you, I mean, not necessarily but you will likely go towards things that um, bring you to a deeper sense of knowing yourself yeah absolutely because you're not numbing yourself yeah so, you get so self-aware and you yeah. do you start to observe your thoughts i've started to do that a lot more recently and um like even the other day, like Ash and I, something popped up with Ash and I and rather than me being, I went to get self and I feel it all rise in my body, all this sort of anger and things like that. I was able to say to him, I'm telling myself this, that you're, you know, I think it was that he thought I was dumb. <laughs> it wasn't that. It wasn't even, he's like, what? He probably thought I was dumb at that point, but yeah, it was yeah. this whole story. It was something I told him, I was relaying to him and the, the look that he had on his face but I was able to stop and recognize it and go, I'm telling myself that, you know, you're thinking this. Is that yeah. what you're actually thinking about? He's like, I could tell by the way he was just like, he just smiled. He's like, what? No, he wasn't thinking anything like that. And it was completely opposite what he was thinking. Right. But I was, normally that would have escalated into a big fight, particularly if we were pissed at the time. Oh my God, right. if we were pissed at the time, that Interesting. would have been a full-blown fight, would have gone on for a couple of days because I had to keep, you know, following up the next day, you can't back down. All of my relationship arguments, alcohol was involved in it. Absolutely. In the past. Um, Anyway, so completely dissolved, resolved, no issue. And we had a laugh about it and we had a hug. I'm like, I think I need a hug. He gave me a hug and, you know, you're able to observe. Well, this is interesting. So for for those listening, what is being described right now is not self-consciousness, it's self-awareness and the two very different things. Yes. One is, you know... you know, full of anxiety and whatnot. Mm. The other is just a, a watch, you know, watching mm. the watcher, watching the watcher, the watcher, watching, watching the watcher. me, yeah. watching yourself uh, and yeah. being aware of, of when thoughts bubble up and, mm. you know, and emotions be- and stuff like that. And then being mm. able, if, especially with a love, your lover or whatever, to be able to express that. Oh, I just had this thought. Is that real? Or am I like in a fantasy zone? Whereas in, an, an in, non you know states of sobriety in drunk states you won't even have Ugh. that awareness to be able to um ask that question there's no awareness there ever you'll just you'll just react yeah and it's really beautiful too to even like i over it's been three years or almost three years for us now mm. but and you've probably gone well and truly through this because you're a fairly woke person anyway but um 
<laughs> you're woke, man. Um, <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. Um, I, I'm about to say, like, it's interesting that the, the, that terminology of woke <laughs> is so grammatically incorrect that, <laughs> that you're kind of not awake anymore. No, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, I just fully turned into a wanker there. But um, just realizing things like my own self-confidence, where I always thought I was such a confident person, but mm. I wasn't probably why I drank. And now I'm aware of that and I can see right. in a situation now where I'm talking to someone if I'm not feeling confident and I've, I've got some little anchors I do through NLP practice that I okay. I anchor myself with and I can be confident, you know, but just being aware, like, oh, right, that's why I do this or that's why I'm behaving like that or that's why this happens in my body. When the, and it, you just, it's so beautiful to be so aware of yourself and yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's that's such the, a gift. The biggest, that's, you know, from that question you asked earlier, that is the biggest takeaway yeah. is, is becoming self-aware and yeah. more conscious of who you are and your your sole purpose and sense yes. of purpose in this life and mm. um, and how you affect other people around you. Because when you're not in your center, mm. which is what anything that, you know, distorts and takes you out of your mm. um, uh, functional mental state, you're not able to mm. um, gauge whether what you're doing is affecting people in a negative way or not. I know. You know, well, you or are, yourself, well, how it's affecting yeah. yourself, yeah, yeah. most importantly. Totally. Yeah. Um, and the mm. reaction versus, um, you know, being able to respond mm. clearly as opposed to reacting to something unconsciously. I know. Which, you know, you can do in a non-drunk state. But I think the flip side of drinking is that it destabilizes the, the chemicals, chemistry in your body and your mind. And that isn't just whilst you're drinking. That's also through your week. So totally. then you'll have coffee and other things that destabilize your the chemistry yeah. in your brain and that'll create all sorts of tumultuousness in your emotional um, expression. Absolutely. And then what we're putting into our body, what we're watching, what we're consuming on all levels. Yeah. Um, when there's no life force in things too, like we're eating shit food, we're, mm. eating, we're drinking shit things and consuming news and other negative stuff around us. There's no life force in any of that. And so what's in us? Do you know what I'm saying? Like we're not, if we were just to put in things full of, you know, the prana and, you know, it's, it's a reflection too of where we're at and what's going on inside our bodies is what's what we're manifesting on the outside as well. And and I mean, I guess it's being able to make balance, balance choices. You don't have to go to, to what other people would consider you know, extreme. No, yeah. Um, uh, cause, oh, mate, I, mean, I love a good potato cake or potato scallop as they call them up here. Yeah. There's no, there's no prana in that. Let's face it. Right. But I it's love it. It's at all the, the life force <laughs> fried out of it. Um, right. But yeah. But you know, it's a balance. But, but you know, with at least being in a in a in a realm of sobriety, you can uh, make. You can you have more balance. You can make yeah, balanced choices. choices, emotionally, physically, dietary. You know, in every, every aspect level. of your life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. definitely. It's I such mean, a you gift, know. isn't it? Aren't we awesome? Aren't it's we all... so lucky? Uh, well, <laughs> but I you feel know. so lucky. And imagine as a society, and just in within friendship groups, that we were all a bit more aware. We have more empathy for each other and more compassion. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we wouldn't be running around acting like dicks half the time or full of ego if we were just so connected with ourselves yeah. that we didn't have all that. You know, we'd all be so much happier and so... That is, that is a good way of, you know, I would label alcohol the ego drug. Mm. That and cocaine. <laughs> 
<laughs> and that's why I mentioned cocaine earlier because yeah. it is the other thing. Yeah. Um, definitely. Yeah. And the two go hand in hand, it. don't they? They do often, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Anyway. Depressant and stimulant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was right. amazing. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to hear the new song. Yeah. And I'll post about that on the links. Can you send me the details? Yeah, yeah, totally. About yeah, yeah. when that's up. Right. And if people want to connect with you on Instagram, um, I'll put the yeah. – what, what is your Instagram? Nathan K Music. Nathan K Music. K-A-Y-E. So – it's pretty much that for all of them. I think YouTube's that as well, and so is Facebook. And I'll have to put up um, some pictures of you. Can you send through of you on Home and Away and you're in Muriel's <laughs> wedding? We'll talk right. about that. That's. Do you mind sharing those? I'd love to yeah, put them yeah, up sure. so people. <laughs> yeah, oh, totally. That guy. <laughs> oh my God, it's him. That's that. I remember Chuck. Ah. <laughs> you know how many times I get that because it's played on on TV a lot, and there's like. Right. I'll Was get, that your I'll character in Home and Away? In uh, in, uh, in Muriel's wedding, Muriel's Chook, wedding, right. and I'll get like, oh, I had a crush on Chook when I was younger, or, um, <laughs> or I didn't know you were Chook in Muriel's wedding because I don't often you know, go around talking about it. Yeah, but it's like I'll every time it's played on TV, I'll get another email for, or Facebook message or something from someone just going. Classic. Oh, that's so cool. I, I didn't skills. know until um, just following you on Instagram through the Earth Bottles account, and I saw you'd posted something about home and away and the murals were like oh my god ash did you know this and he's like yeah everyone knows that <laughs> i didn't anyway but yes yeah, it's it's, it's cool yeah. well i'd love to see you back on the big screen as well that would be pretty exciting well have you should, uh, i'm not sure where one less god is i think it might be on netflix it might it's on one of those oh genre. true so what's it um, called that was the last film i was in Right. One less God. One less God. It's pretty intense, but it's a, it's all about the terrorist sieges in uh, in India. Mm. And the premise of the film is uh, a small group of people take refuge in my room. And oh, wow. It's a mixed bag of people. So a couple of Muslims, a couple of Jews, a couple of atheists, a Christian guy. And we're all oh, wow. debating about belief yeah. whilst trying to be quiet and then you know not be found out within oh, this terrorist siege and um yeah it's 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 a good yeah i love it i love being a part of that film it's a fantastic film wow yeah. okay so one less god all right i'll yeah. try and find that and i'll put links to that as well yeah, on the, the yeah. show notes yeah so nathan thank you so much for coming in thank you can't wait to see what you do Thanks next yeah <laughs> see ya see ya Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.